Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for uh, this day. Um, we, we are here to worship you um, and to prepare. Uh, we thank you that, uh, well, even though it's a, a battle out there, sometimes that you are with us in the battle. And uh, I just pray that you would uh, grant me the grace, the wisdom, the strength today. Uh, I share your word. Give us uh, ears to hear you uh, speak to us through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was at the preschool, um, we had trainings uh, throughout the year, uh, the in-service trainings. Uh, but right at the, before school started, we had a, quite a chunk of the pre-service trainings uh, to get ready for the year. And there were uh, various trainings from year to year. And some of them were specific to each uh, position. And then we had like the breakout sessions. Others you know, where everybody in the organization had these same trainings. And some of them were mandatory trainings, and some, you know, you had the elected, but some were the mandatory trainings. And some of them we had every year, kind of like the mandatory training for everybody every year. Blood-borne pathogens. Every year, year after year, Universal precautions, right? PPE, every year we had those trainings. Now, generally we had some kind of abuse and neglect training. Um, We always had some kind of health and safety training that varied somewhat from year to year. You know, how to restrain kids without, uh, you know, with minimal damage to them and to us. But um, some years we had uh, personal safety as part of the health and safety. And a couple of times I had these, like, uh, self-defense gurus, you know, teaching us about personal safety. And I really like those, you know, you kind of channel your Chuck Norris or your Bruce Lee. Whoa! Get ready. (laughs) But... um, Sadly, uh, given our cultural situation, the last several years I was there, every year I think we had active shooter training because just the situation and what was going on. And I got to thinking that perhaps there were some general principles that we could glean from that that would be applicable to spiritual warfare. After all, we too have an enemy who is out to destroy us. Uh, Next slide, please. In 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now, Paul's metaphor, um, oh yeah, they're in Ephesians. Paul's metaphor is more specifically that of an active shooter. They're in Ephesians. He's speaking to the Ephesians. He's talking about spiritual warfare and putting on the armor. 
And in verse 16, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And so he's like, has this idea of, of Satan as an active shooter and being uh, ready to defend against that. Uh, C.S. Lewis, the British uh, writer and apologist, uh, has said, wrote, quote, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, and the other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors, and they hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight, end of quote. So the Bible is very clear that Satan and his minions are real, personal, spiritual beings, and they have our ruin as their goal. Nevertheless, they are not the only source of sin and evil. Uh, next slide, please. In, uh, you know, John tells us in, in 1 John 2, 15, 16, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And uh, both world and flesh are uh, theologically rich words, and they have various meanings in different contexts. But in this context here, world has to do with the systems, the institutions, organizations, and philosophies, and so forth, that are opposed to God and his plan. And the flesh, in this sense here, is talking about that sinful, fallen part of our own human nature. And so these also are part of it. And just as the old nature versus nurture quandary, you know, related to physical and psychological health, you know, the idea that what, you know, in a, a physical or a, a psychological illness you know, what is genetic predisposition and what is due to environmental factors? And generally, to some degree, it's attributable to both. You know, one part of one, part of the other. And so it is with spiritual warfare in the battle with sin and temptation. Demons are probably good observers and they will exploit and build on the world and the flesh that they see at work in our lives. And so it's kind of a combination of factors in that. And so a comprehensive strategy will help defend against a coordinated attack. And so I got to thinking of the idea in our active shooter training, run, hide, fight. It was kind of the way they outlined it, run, hide, fight. And I thought, you know, what would that look like in spiritual warfare, in our battle with sin and temptation? What would that look like? And um, so we'll take the next slide, please. <clears throat> you 
Nope. You skipped one. It's the run. Run. What? Uh-oh. Okay. The, the, the first one is run. Now, in the... Um, in an actual active shooter situation, that's your, your, your thing. You know, you, you, you hear the shots, you, you run, you get away as far as away as you can. If the shooter's coming in one door, you go out another, you go out the window, you get away as fast as you can. Um, what would that look like in spiritual warfare? Well, we do have some biblical examples uh, of what to do and what not to do, actually. Uh, so the first one... Uh, you can turn to it in your Bible. It's a longer passage, and it's not on, on the slide anyway. So uh, Genesis 39, 1 to 12. Genesis 39, 1 to 12. And this is Joseph. This is Joseph. He is uh, a good example of the right thing to do when we're talking in that spiritual warfare sense of run. Only there it was kind of literally too. And you recall that his brothers had sold him into slavery uh, to some people. They sold him uh, down in Egypt to an official named Potiphar. And uh, he prospered, God prospered him, and he got promoted. And so um, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an official of an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of, the, of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And from that time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptians' house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form in appearance. And so his master wasn't the only one that was taking notice. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything he has in, char in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And so he was verb using his words and dealing with this. But, and as she spoke to him day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. But, one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. 
But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. He ran. There was a time for reasoning and trying to talk about it, but then there's this moment, this sin and this temptation, this, this situation, it was just run. You don't reason, you don't argue, you run. And that's what he did. He did the right thing. Now, it was a, she, she lied about it, said he assaulted her, and he ended up in prison. So it, in the short term, it didn't go real well, but he did the right thing. He you know, kept his integrity, and eventually God did vindicate him and he got out and became prime minister of the country. But whether or not you get to be prime minister, you know, keep your integrity. And there's a situation, you run. You run. Or the, um, the example of what not to do is, is David. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5. David had... Um, Got, he was king of the Judah, and then he got made king over the, the whole thing. He brought them together. He was having some victories. Things were going well. He had the country on track. He was a hero. Second Samuel 11, verse 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. And it happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and he was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman, and one said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. And then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David, I'm pregnant. He didn't run. He saw a situation. He took another look, another look, and another look. And then he took action. And it was the wrong action. He didn't run. And it cost him dearly. Um, his family, it was never the same. There was trouble in his family. And because he was king, there was trouble in the nation from that time on. So there was the long-term consequences for that bad decision because he didn't run, but he looked and looked instead of running. So um, I've read about some people who have quit good jobs. They're like in a corporation and they're working their way up. A lot of potential, nice jobs. They quit good jobs and or they moved. And moving can be a real nightmare. You know, some of you have done that. It can be a real hassle. But there was, it was to flee a dangerous situation, a situation of temptation at work. So they left their jobs moved, and so forth. Very difficult, very costly to do that. But to save your marriage, to save your family, to save your reputation, to save your integrity, and from an eternal perspective, a good value. As Paul tells Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 2, 22, so flee youthful passions or 
the New American Standard, flee youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But also, it's not just in in this area that, I mean, temptations can be a lot of different things. He also warns Timothy to run from another temptation. In 1 Timothy 6, 10, and 11, 1 Timothy 6, 10, and 11, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. It's not just money. It's not a problem with that. It's the love of money. It's that craving that causes problems today, stealing, embezzlement, misappropriation, all that kind of stuff. Verse 11, But as for you, O son of man, flee these things. Run. Run from greed. Run from covetousness. Run from these kinds of things. So run, hide. Now we can do our hide, right? Yes, we got that. So run, hide, fight. Run, hide. And now in the, in the, the literal active shooter situation, that means you, you turn out the lights, you lock the doors, get in a closet, get out of sight. Try to make yourself scarce in that where um, if you can lock your door, you know, otherwise you get out there, turn down, cover, you know, close the blinds and, and this kind of thing. So hopefully try the door, pass on by to an easier target. Um, in the spiritual warfare, it says in Proverbs 27, uh, 12 here, the, the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. So avoiding it when you can. Now, earlier I mentioned um, Chuck Norris and Bruce Lee. This one reminds me of another one, Mr. Miyagi. Now, you younger people, well, no, that's probably, that's probably on uh, some of the streaming video, the old movies, where Mr. Miyagi, uh, you know, the karate kid, where there's the kid and he's getting beat up and he gets saved by the old janitor and uh, who takes him on and mentors him in the martial arts because where Mr. Miyagi grew up, every boy, his father teaches him, you know, about the martial arts. And so he teaches the karate kid. And I remember at one point he tells, he tells the kid, the best defense is not to be there. Best defense, don't be there. And that's kind of in spiritual warfare. If there's something... Or, or place or situation that we know could be a temptation, stay away. Stay away from that. You know, many of you have heard of the, the Billy Graham rule where he made this point of not traveling or being alone with a woman other than his wife. And uh, he went through extreme things, and sometimes it was complicated and costly and so forth, but he had this rule and, um, you know, some have, have argued that it was probably unnecessarily stringent, and, and maybe it was, and maybe it doesn't work for everybody, and he didn't tell everybody they had to do it, and doesn't say it specifically verbatim in here, but um, 
But it worked for Billy. You know, I'm not even, uh, I don't recall that I was quite that, astring, you know, that stringent myself uh, on that. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, maybe it was uh, extreme. But you hear on the news, and it's not just secular organizations, but you hear about religious organizations and scandals. And, uh, you know, that's totally not good for the church's witness. And so, you know, maybe Billy wasn't too over the top with that. You know, it worked, it worked for him. Um, so, yeah, so hide. And another way we might put that, like in Proverbs, it states it another way in 4, uh, 14 and 15. Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. So avoid it. Hide. Avoid being on those paths that are, you know, those places that are, are going to be a temptation, get you in trouble. Don't be there. This is the best defense. We can reduce the threat of some temptations and sins by avoiding them whether literally or figuratively, not walking certain paths. And even if it's not, maybe for you, a serious temptation, um, sometimes avoiding certain situations can reduce the risk of the appearance of sin, which can get you in trouble. Maybe you're innocent, but you happen to be, and somebody saw, and then it's like, and then your, you know, your reputation is on, on the line there, so... But the big challenge, the big challenge for believers is that the people who are on those paths are our mission field. And that's where it gets, you know, that makes it more difficult. Those are the people we need to reach, but those are the paths we maybe need to avoid. Now, I know a woman who is, she's very tender-hearted and she is no respecter of persons. And even as a youth, she was open to friendship with anyone, you know, whether they were popular or not. And maybe especially if they weren't popular. When nobody else would be somebody's friend, she would be. And it's an extremely admirable thing. Wonderful young woman. But sometimes, when you're going to be friends with anyone, sometimes those friends had some issues. Let's put it that way. And one time a friend wanted to go, uh, go for a drive, go cruising, you know, cruise town and stuff like that. So she went with her, but then later found out that it wasn't the girl's car. And she didn't have permission to have the car. And she didn't have a driver's license to drive the car. And if they'd gotten stopped the innocent girl's father would have probably had to go down to the station and bail out his little daughter. And so it's a balance. You want to, it takes discernment because we want to reach those people that are on those paths. That's our mission field. But be careful about the path you're on because you could get into trouble and get sucked into um, some problems with that. And then another thing I thought... um, there's a lot of things that, you know, to avoid and temptations to resist and um, um, losing your temper or stuff like that. Maybe another thing to avoid is fights. 
you know, remember the school days and uh, you'd hear a ruckus out on the playground or maybe out in the parking lot and you go over there to check it out and there's a couple guys having at it, fists flying and, and stuff, you know, and then the crowd is starting to gather and, and then maybe uh, the fight escalates because this guy's buddy jumps in to help him and then this guy's buddy jumps in to help him and then the crowd gets bigger. Of course, until the teacher comes and then everybody starts running because they don't want to get caught too and then the crowd, and then they grab the kids and haul them down to the vice principal's office to take care of them. And you say, well, Randy, I, I don't do that. I, I gave that up a long time ago or, or a little while ago maybe. And, you know, I don't, I don't do that anymore. But, you know, today we have playgrounds and parking lots that we didn't have back then. We have virtual ones, a.k.a. social media uh-oh, yeah. You know, you see some crazy, crazy stuff, bad stuff on there. And of course, you, um, you need to set them straight. And, you know, I can think of some really witty, bitingly sarcastic responses that really zing them good. Run, hide, the Holy Spirit saying, don't do that. I didn't tell you to do that, right? So you have to be really honest with yourself. You know, do you, can you be on that path? Can you um, avoid the potholes or do you need to stay off a particular path altogether? Now in um, 2 Timothy, yeah. In 2.16, avoid irreverent babble for it will lead the people into more and more ungodliness. So um, are those social media battles really productive? That's what you know, I think. Is that going to change somebody's mind? Or would an in-person respectful discussion be more likely to sway them? You know, I, I mean... It, it's hard because nowadays there might be someone, um, you know, the public square is an online one. It's, uh, and maybe they're too far away to get to have that personal discussion, that one-on-one. So maybe a particular forum where you can um, winsomely make a defense for the truth, maybe that's an okay thing. There are certain forums maybe you could, could do that, but do it prayerfully and carefully and not have it devolve into a a virtual fisticuff. And so that leads us to the the next one, fight. Run, hide, fight. Let's go ahead and pull up the next one and see if we have fight. Yep, fight. So when it comes to the the literal situation, uh, fighting, that's where you do anything and everything you, you, you can to stop or to neutralize the assailant. Use anything you can find to bludgeon. You can uh, projectiles, throw whatever you can, furniture or uh, heavy objects to, to do that. Fire extinguisher in the face. When it runs out of compound, you smash them with that. Tackle them, whatever it takes. Uh, fight, you know, to, to neutralize that uh, assailant. So what is that like in spiritual warfare? In spiritual warfare, we have a number of things that we can fight with. And uh, the first one we have here is fight with worship. And you go, Fight with worship, Randy? Really? 
Well, worship in the broadest sense is ascribing worth to God in whatever, in the broad sense, acknowledging his supreme value. And so in Psalm 119, 120, it says, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. There's a, there's a couple of aspects of this fighting with worship, and that's the one. Um, uh, for one thing, having a profound and healthy reverence for our very awesome God militates against temptation. When you have, you know you have to reckon with an awesome and powerful and holy God. You know, that, that kind of, like I said, that awesome God, that militates against temptation. And on the other hand, on the, you know, kind of in a positive way, on, on 119, 175, 176, it says, let my soul live and praise you and let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. So another aspect of worship that can help is, you know, that it says, my, let my soul live and praise you. And um, in the struggle as well, when we love and praise God, seeing his beauty, we can more clearly see the inferiority of our sin. And its attraction wanes. And so in both of these, you know, we can see how worship can actually help defend against sin and temptation. And, uh, and in these verses, they kind of allude to a couple of other weapons in our spiritual warfare arsenal that are, in a broader sense, part of uh, worship. But we'll have them as uh, specific points. Uh, next slide. Fight with prayer. Many psalms teach us this by example because many of the psalms are prayers and they teach us by example. And some of them also by precept, by the content itself as well. And in uh, Psalm 119, 145 to 147, the psalmist says, With my whole heart I cry, Answer me, O Lord, I will keep your statutes. I call to you, save me, that I may observe your testimonies. I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. Uh, in Psalm 119, I think it has seven different words for God's, God's word. It has word, statute, testimonies, uh, promise, um, commandment has like several different ones here. So he's, um, by example and by content, save me, Lord. You know, you're in the, you're struggling with that temptation, that sin. Save me, Lord. Help me. I hope in your words. Uh, also, we see this in um, one of our introductory uh, verses that we saw, Ephesians uh, 6, 16, and also the following verses, 16 through 18. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And then he goes on, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God. And then verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So praying at all times helps defend against the sin and temptation. Supplication, that's what the psalmist did up there. God, help me. Uh, Praying with perseverance in those things because those temptations don't just come once and then, oh man, I got through that one, I'm okay now. No, it's kind of like my experience that, uh, you know, tomorrow it's going to be there too. He's going to come again and again. And making supplication for the saints on behalf of each other as well. Uh, Next slide, please. Fight with Scripture. This is one of our key tools, and we saw that just in verse 17 above when he says, take up the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so he brings that uh, as well and highlights it. But also we see in Psalm 119, 9 through 11, 119, 11, one of my girls learned when they were young, one of their memory ones, uh, how can a, uh, a young man keep his way pure? Or an old man? Old man needs help too. Young woman, old woman, we all need help. How can we keep our way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, Paul encourages the Ephesians to put off the old self, have their minds renewed, and put on the new self. Uh, The scripture plays a part in that, in renewing our heart, renewing our mind. The psalmist says, I have stored up your word in my heart. If you're under spiritual attack, and you have to go and find your Bible and dust it off and grope through it trying to find a relevant verse for your temptation, that might be a little bit of a weak response. Hide it, store it up in your heart. So uh, it might be helpful. It might be better to have, you know, to be in God's Word so much that his word gets in you. And then it can be a defense. As the psalmist says later in um, 119.97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Like morning, evening, starting your day. Like Dan was saying, start your day, end your day. If you have time during the day, do that too. So... um, Jesus set an example for this, uh, for us, exactly what he himself did when he was tempted by Satan, when he was in the desert at the beginning of his ministry. Let's go ahead and do the next one. Next slide. And you can look at that on your own in Luke, uh, but I just wanted to point out when he's in his earthly ministry, he's he's out in the desert, the devil is tempting him as he's getting ready to go on his ministry. Uh, And Jesus answers him, it is written. And then the, the devil tempts him again. And Jesus answered and said, It is written. 
And the devil tempts him again. And he, and he says, Jesus answered, it is said. Again, it, Jesus had an apt biblical response to each of the temptations that Satan hurled. And that's what we want to prepare to do. It's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong thing. It's a journey that we're on, and we keep growing in that and learning to be more like Christ and fight like he did. It is written, it is written, going back to those scriptures to defend against those things. Uh, Psalm 119.33, Keep steady my steps according to your promise and let no iniquity have dominion over me. That's our goal, not letting the sin control us, not letting it have dominion. And we're going to mess up and, and, and fall sometimes. But picking up, moving on, and working on that goal of not letting that have dominion over us. So, um, in conclusion, um, every year, like I said, we had trainings in blood-borne pathogens. Every year, year after year, mandatory trainings. Universal precautions. PPE. So one morning at breakfast, I don't know what happened. I didn't see that, but I saw this, the kid at the breakfast table, he's bleeding. The kid is bleeding. The teacher happened to be, a teacher, a teacher happened to be sitting right next to him, which is good. Uh, she'd been with us for some time. She'd been to the trainings year after year for I don't know how many years. She grabs her napkin and applies direct pressure. She grabs her napkin. Direct pressure is good for stopping bleeding. What about that? No. Forgot about the PPE. Gets the bleeding stopped. Whips not her glove out of her apron pocket, but a Band-Aid, sticks on his Band-Aid, finish her breakfast, and then she goes on eating. The sink is over there. No, just start eating and wiping your mouth with a bloody napkin. Oh. Had the training. Checked the box. Didn't sink in. Now, fortunately, I saw... Just interesting, I hadn't seen her for a long time. Just, uh, but just last week, I uh, saw a mutual friend of ours and said she's still alive. So she dodged a bullet on that one. But um, I got to thinking, do we do that? Do we ever do that in the spiritual life? Went to church, check. Did my devos, check. Said my prayers, and then we blithely stumble on into a demon hornet nest, right? Ouch! You know, what happened? What happened? Remember Jesus' parable about the, the guys that build on the rock and the guys that build on the sand and the storm and all that stuff? Remember, in the parable, even the sand builder heard the word. The sand builder heard the word, right? But things fell apart. The rock builder heard and put it into practice. The rock builder heard the word and he did it. Let's pray.
Lord, you have defeated Satan, and we are so thankful you defeated him at the cross. But Lord, we know, we acknowledge that he's still prowling until the end. He can't own us because you own us, but he's trying to wreck our lives and destroy our witness. And we thank you for your word and your spirit to help us and just pray for wisdom and courage to know when to run, when to hide, when to fight. Just pray for your grace in this lifelong battle. Sometimes we mess up and help us not to give up when we mess up, but to get up, not get stuck in shame and discouragement. That's Satan. That's what he wants us to do, but repent and move on and learn and grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all please stand with me as we... Thank you. 